it is a mystery how you can be at one and the same time free and responsible, yet somehow God is sovereign over all that happens. But it is true. Heavenly Father, we pray that you will open your word by your Holy Spirit to our hearts and our minds, and our hearts and our minds to your word. We pray that for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, tonight we uh, carry on with our studies in the Acts of the Apostles, uh, and uh, we come to chapter 21, and our title is The Journey to Jerusalem. So perhaps you could open your Bibles at uh, page 930 and Acts 21, and if you want an outline of where we're going and uh, some space to jot a few notes, you've got that on the back page of your service sheets. And you'll see that my headings tonight are after some words of introduction. First, enjoying the present. Second, believing God's providence. Third, seeking Christian fellowship and praying together. Fourth, resisting temptation. And fifth, being encouraged. But uh, before looking at our passage, we need to put it into context. Paul is at the end of his third missionary journey. Now, on these journeys, uh, he led two or more person missionary teams that went around the eastern Mediterranean and its hinterland, that's modern Lebanon, uh, Syria, Turkey, Greece, uh, and uh, Cyprus. And those people were planting churches and teaching that Christ, who has uh, had died, is now risen and reigning. And as we heard last week from chapter 20 and verse 21, they were teaching repentance towards God and faith uh, in our Lord Jesus Christ. That means that in the strength and power of the Holy Spirit, you recognize your need as someone who has disobeyed and failed God, uh, which is what sin means, and then in faith you turn to the crucified and risen Saviour for forgiveness and uh, for new spiritual life. I wonder if there's anyone needing to respond to that message uh, even tonight. However, we now pick up Paul's story with uh, Paul having just left Miletus, uh, that's in modern Turkey, then uh, it was the uh, Roman province called Asia, where he met with church leaders uh, from Ephesus. But you've got to realise that Paul's work of uh, preaching, teaching and uh, church planting had been tough. You can read in chapter 20 that he told these Ephesian uh, leaders uh, that it involved, verse 19, tears and trials through the plots of the Jews. Uh, he also wrote to his young friend uh, Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.11 about his persecutions and sufferings that happened to him at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra. But he then added, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. God had amazingly been protecting him and rescuing him from uh, captivity and death. But all that is now going to change. Uh, he's facing a watershed in his life and ministry. Uh, he knew that dark clouds were ahead. He had said in chapter 20, verses 22 to 23, and now behold, I'm going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. 
And uh, you will see from the rest of Acts how true that was. Paul is now not going to be rescued from uh, all his persecutions. He's going to be arrested and imprisoned and end up in Rome awaiting trial before Caesar himself. I wonder who is in a situation like that. You feel uh, that you're at a watershed moment uh, or already with a difficult future uh, ahead. Perhaps you've suddenly experienced a bereavement and it seems uh, the bottom has dropped out of your life. Or you've got an illness. Or you failed to land a job you were expecting. Or you know there is a long, hard struggle ahead in some other area of life. Those uh, darker paths we've... Uh, just been singing about. How are you reacting? How should you react? Well, learn from Paul's reaction from these verses at uh, the beginning of uh, chapter 21. So, our first heading, enjoying the present. Look at verse 1. And when we parted from them, that's the Ephesian leaders, and set sail, we came by a straight course to Kos, and the next day to Rhodes, and from there to Patrick. The first lesson, surely, is that Paul would have been living a day at a time and now enjoying the present. He tells us in a letter, written probably while in prison in Rome, I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. That's Philippians 4, verses 11 and 12. Paul would have enjoyed this lovely cruise from Miletus to Kos and on to Rhodes. Uh, that coastline and those Greek islands are idyllic. When uh, there was a direct flight from Newcastle to Kos, my wife and I used to go to, uh, for summer holidays to Kos and then uh, get a ferry to a smaller island. Yes, Paul knew there was trouble facing him, but on a sunny day and uh, with a good sea, he could enjoy the beauty of nature and uh, God's creation as he was sailing past uh, those islands in those waters. After I left the university, I worked in Omdurman, one of the uh, three cities uh, at the division of the Nile into uh, the Blue and the White Nile uh, in North Sudan. I was with a Christian mission. Uh, during that time, our mission school where I was teaching was attacked and destroyed while I was teaching by invading Muslim students, uh, as was our huge mission center in Khartoum, uh, with literally thousands attacking it. That was at the beginning of the troubles in the Sudan in the 1960s. But one afternoon in our period for sports, I can remember the occasion so vividly, I found myself in a little sailing dinghy uh, in the middle of the Nile, uh, with the sun shining, the water so blue, and the sky so blue and a cooling breeze, and I thought, what a wonderful world. And I thought, how much there is to thank God for in life, in spite of all the troubles that uh, were around. And I can imagine that that was Paul's attitude as he was going by those Greek islands and uh, on his way to Kos and Rhodes. So when things do seem bleak, do count your blessings. Paul tells us he had learned to do just that. Learn to enjoy the present when there are dark clouds. Because that is the message of the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes. 
The writer says a man's days are full, as we heard, are full of sorrow. But he then says there is nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also I saw is from the hand of God, for apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? Therefore, enjoy the present when you can. But, and it's an important but, to be able to do that, you really need to trust God and understand that he really is good and in control and wanting the best for you in spite of the circumstances. And that brings us to our second heading, and believing in God's providence. Look at verses 2 and 3. And having found a ship crossing to Phoenicia, we went aboard and set sail. When we come in sight of Cyprus, leaving it on the left, we sailed to Syria and landed at Tyre, for there the ship was to unload its cargo. Now, perhaps the key words here are, in verse 2, having found. Paul was desperate to get to Jerusalem for Pentecost. Uh, he was to hand over the gift of money that he'd been collecting from uh, the Gentile churches uh, for the poorer Jewish Christians in Palestine. And uh, for the sake of unity, it was good that Paul himself was present. The uh, presence of famous people uh, uh, on special occasions, and for the church, uh, Paul was a famous person, and Pentecost in Jerusalem was a famous uh, special occasion. Uh, that speaks volumes. Uh, so, President Obama's refusal to attend, or even send someone from his administration, uh, to attend Mrs. Thatcher's funeral was seen as a snub, uh, according to UK, UK newspapers. Paul, it seems, wanted to avoid all that for the sake of relations between the Jewish and Gentile Christians. So to get to Jerusalem in time, it was imperative he travel not by a little long-taking coast-hugging boat, which was, uh, as a bonus, good for seeing the islands um, uh, en route, but a much bigger open-sea cargo boat. Uh, even today, connections by smaller Greek island-hopping boats are, aren't always reliable. But Paul and his party seem to arrive at Patra at just the right time for just the right boat. His timetable now allowed him more time for ministry with Jewish Christians in Palestine and especially in Caesarea before going on to Jerusalem. Yes, God was and is in control, even of the little things, the little details of life, like the catching of boats. It's hard to believe how that is possible. But that is God's providence. And it's for your good if you trust him. So he is in control as you go through your difficult time. Remember the Old Testament story of Joseph in Egypt? And uh, when Prime Minister and reunited with his treacherous brothers, saying of his earlier slavery, this is Genesis 50, verse 12, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. I can thank God for a number of disappointments in my life, which I now see were all for the good. They didn't seem like that at the time. So do you believe in the providence of God? It is simply that our creator, God, has not left his world, but after creating it, still is acting sovereignly in it. 
That is the province of God. His hand may be hidden, but his control is nevertheless over everything. It is a mystery how you can be at one and the same time free and responsible, yet somehow God is sovereign over all that happens. But it is true. As Paul says in Romans 8, 28, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. So remember, therefore, that God is able to take your difficult situation and bring good out of the bad, uh, for he is in control. He is the God of providence as well as the God of creation. The third essential is difficult times, uh, when their times are difficult, is that of seeking uh, Christian fellowship and praying together with other Christians. Look at verse 4. And having sought out the disciples, we stayed there, that's entire, for seven days. Through the Spirit, they were telling Paul not to go down to Jerusalem. When our days there were ended, we departed and went on our journey, and they all, with wives and children, accompanied us, accompanied us until we were outside the city. And kneeling down on the beach, we prayed and said farewell to one another. Then we went on board the ship, and they returned home. While the ship was unloading its cargo entire, Paul and his friends spent time with the Christians there. How essential it is at all times, but especially um, when life is hard, to meet with other Christians. And that is why it's so important to keep Sunday special for church. And also you need to make that uh, midweek smaller group. At a simple psychological level, for subjective certainty, you need social support. So when you're being brainwashed by a progressively secular education, as we all are, uh, or by a progressively secular media, as we all are, how you need the counter-teaching and counter-culture of the church and other Christians. And you need to pray with others. How important that is. And that is how change does happen in dark days. Now, to some extent, we're all facing dark days with the attacks and destruction of marriage and the family at the moment and the weakness of so much national and civic leadership. So will you join me in having a, a rule to pray at least once a week that by the end of 2018, we grow to 2,000, uh, as I've written in the April Coloured Supplement in the newsletter. 2,000, of course, is a pinprick compared with the needs of this city and conurbation. But God can bless the day of small things. And do pray in the light of Ephesians. I quote that 3 verse 20. That says God is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work in us, within us. And then pray for the strength of the Holy Spirit to do what Christ commands. And remember, Paul had a big vision at this time. Uh, so have a big vision. After Jerusalem, Paul was wanting to go to Rome. Uh, so we're told in Acts 9, 8, 19, verse 21. And after that, to go into Spain to plant churches. So we're told in Romans 15, 24 and 28. And some think he got to Spain and so was executed much later. But certainly, as Paul had fellowship with other Christians and prayed with others and not just on his own, God worked uh, and certainly got him to Rome. So, in difficult times, enjoy the present, believe in God's providence, but also seek Christian fellowship and pray together with others. Then the fourth essential is that of resisting temptation. 
Uh, look at verses 7 to 14. When he had finished the voyage from Tyre, we arrived at Ptolemaeus and we greeted the brothers and stayed with them for one day. On the next day we departed and came to Caesarea and we entered the house of Philip the evangelist who was one of the seven and stayed with him. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. While we were staying for many days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. And coming to us, he took Paul's belt and bound his own feet and hands and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, This is how the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the people there urged him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, What are you doing, weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be imprisoned, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And since he would not be persuaded, we ceased and said, let the will of the Lord be done. The boat has now docked at Ptolemaeus. Note that Paul and company are still concerned to meet with other Christians just for one day. Then they moved on to Caesarea, which was now the Roman provincial capital of Judea. But as at Tyre, the Christians in Caesarea were telling Paul not to go to Jerusalem. A prophet Agabus, in the style of an Old Testament enacted prophecy, indicated that Paul would be bound and delivered to the Jews by, uh, to the Gentiles by the Jews. Now he was not quite right in that because we learn later that Paul was delivered by the Gentiles from the Jews. To be fair on Agabus, he was only predicting trouble. He uh, did not say Paul should abort his uh, Jerusalem visit. But his own friends, including Luke, uh, the writer of the Acts of the Apostles, tried to stop him. Somehow the Holy Spirit had made clear God's will to Paul, uh, as we uh, read uh, in chapter 20 of verse 22, that he must go to Jerusalem not knowing what will happen. Uh, and he expected trouble, as he tells us in chapter 20, verse 23. So this pressure to give up told him nothing new and certainly wasn't very helpful. Uh, here were people with charismatic visions, possibly, and one prophecy, certainly, that led to wrong advice to Paul. Now, that must have been a great temptation for him to follow his friend's easy way out. So, at hard times, beware of the temptation that seems to solve your problems, but involves disobeying God. And beware of Christians that advise you to do what is wrong. Sadly, in the West, this is happening more and more in ethical areas such as sex and relationships, uh, divorce and remarriage, abortion and embryo research, and not least currently, homosexual marriage. But thank God Paul stood firm. And may we follow his example in that. And uh, a final essential we can see is uh, being encouraged. Uh, I must be brief, but look at verses 15 and 16. After these days, we got ready and went up to Jerusalem. And uh, some of the disciples from Caesarea went with us, bringing us to the house of Nason of Cyprus, an early disciple with whom we should lodge. There's a great danger in times of trouble, being with people who are always grumbling and negative. They make you even more depressed uh, if uh, you're a bit depressed already. So try to find encouragers. Because this is what Paul is doing. He, he lodged with Philip and his four prophetic daughters. I don't know what uh, these daughters were like at breakfast time, but um, <laughs> it, it must have been encouraging being with Philip, 
He was a personal evangelist and one of the seven who formed the first church finance committee that you read about in Acts 6. But most encouraging were, verse 16, some of the disciples from Caesarea, who Luke says, went with us to Jerusalem. They were willing to identify with Paul whatever the cost, including his readiness to die for the Lord if necessary. Paul was going to be opposed and attacked by the Jewish authorities, but these disciples wanted to stand alongside Paul in support. How important, therefore, to follow the example of these disciples today, at school, the university, uh, at work, wherever. Do publicly support someone who is taking a stand for Jesus Christ. In a group, uh, in a committee, in a meeting publicly, speak up with them. Don't wait afterwards, till afterwards, to tell them of your support. And then there was Nason of Cyprus. Uh, probably a rich man with a big house. It was certainly big enough for Paul's party to uh, lodge in while they were in, uh, in Jerusalem. He's described in verse 16 as an early disciple. Uh, one of the converts, possibly, from the day of Pentecost. Like Philip, he's another older man, still firm in the faith, who's willing to back Paul, uh, this time through providing uh, his party's hospitality. May we all be, insofar as we can, encouragers, uh, and like those disciples from uh, Caesarea and Nason from uh, Cyprus. So just to conclude, when facing difficulties, try to enjoy the present. Believe in God's providence, seek Christian fellowship, and uh, pray with others. Resist temptation to the wrong, easy way out of your difficulties and try to find encouragers uh, and be with them rather than with folk who are negative. Let's pray. Moment of silent prayer uh, as we respond to uh, these lessons here. Perhaps for the first time there may be someone uh, who needs to respond to that message of repentance towards God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Or perhaps you are finding it hard at the moment to enjoy the present because of pressures and difficulties or find it hard to believe that God is in control. Well, if that's the case, ask God to help you believe in his providence and that he is in control. So do prayers as appropriate uh, from uh, whichever of these five lessons uh, we, we, we need to pray about for our own situations. Moment of silent prayer. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers.